This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Hi everybody, welcome to Bumping Into. My name is Francis Populan and on this episode of the show we are going into the world of the 5G, 4G, Wi-Fi health concerns. My guest on this episode is Professor Darius Lazensky. Now Darius is is more than anybody suitably qualified to advise on the risks uh, around 5G and in particular all sorts of EMF fields. He's a, a extremely well-known research professor, uh, was head of the Radiation Biology Laboratory at the Radiation and Nuclear Safety Authority for Finland, um, and has also been on the board of organizations such as the the World Health Organization. Um, He's conducted experimental work, he's released various reports. His particular focus, I guess, is around the safety guidelines of mobile phone use and 5G in particular. Uh, he's also currently focused heavily on electromagnetic hypersensitivity, in which he's released a couple of uh, reports on. Let me just explain my original mindset for this episode. So I think we can all say that it's fair enough to have concerns or at least questionable concerns about uh, 5G and mobile phone use in general. I mean, you know, yes, we are not at a point where it's a blanket yes or no, there is, there isn't. But anyone that's looked into it and, and tries to look at things balanced would say that there is possibly, there's enough intelligent professors that are concerned and there's enough people that are saying there's no concern. So if we line up in the middle, then we keep the door open to possible concern, which I think is the healthiest space to be in. Now, what I wanted to achieve for this episode is I I wanted to look at comparing 5G and the dangers with 5G in comparison to 433 megahertz. And the reason being is that we are seeing an explosion of 433 megahertz products in our homes and our offices. I mean, look, Wi-Fi is certainly a major part and it gets left on in every office building in almost every home anyway. So we're being bombarded with Wi-Fi. But 433 more so because smoke detectors, um, any interlinking device, alarm systems tend to be using the 433 megahertz and that's always on. And I was curious to see how that compared in a health or, or I suppose how the concerns compared for 433 to all of the other, be it 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, and Wi-Fi networks. How do, you know, is there a ranking of what is possibly worse, what is definitely bad? Unfortunately, that's not where this episode went. This episode focused more on the safety guidelines and, and Darius's, I suppose, concern with the shortfall of the current safety guidelines and also around the electromagnetic hypersensitivity uh, reports that he's officially released uh, recently. So we didn't encompass everything that I was hoping. And and perhaps, you know, look, if I bump into the right person, uh, we can revisit this and come up with a comparative study. One thing that I did, I suppose, come across that was quite interesting and it, and it summarised why there's a concern quite simply when you look at other frequencies such as am fm the wavelengths are extremely big there look don't quote me it's am radio which really isn't used that much anymore so it has a wavelength of roughly 300 meters fm radio is much much tighter it's about three and a half meter wavelengths and that can travel very very far and 
the argument is, and forgive me if I'm wrong, this is just a very, very broad, basic summary of how someone was explaining it to me, is that when the AM and the FM wave passes through us, as it does all day long, it's a very huge sweeping wavelength cycle. So it doesn't come into your body as a whole, cause any destruction and leave. It's basically a very soft wavelength that's much taller and bigger than most people. So you've got AM that's at roughly 300 metres, 900 plus feet. You've got FM that's at three and a half metres. And then what happens is you come into 433 megahertz, which is roughly about 70 centimetres. But 5G is millimetre. So we're talking millimetre wavelengths. And this is the concern is that it's so small and it basically goes straight into your body because it's a millimetre of a wavelength. And as being so small, it's such high powered. The FM and the AMs can travel very, very far with their broad sweeping waves. But a millimetre wavelength needs an extremely high amount of power. So you're being bombarded with a very high amount of power and a very, very small wavelength. And this was the concern for it damaging your skin, damaging your organs um, and causing cellular damage. It's probably far more complicated and far more extensive than that. But that was a very, very broad summary of how someone explained to me why there's such a concern and that we don't know much about millimeter wavelengths. AM and FM have been around for many, many years. Millimeter wavelengths at such high rates haven't. Therefore, there comes the concern, the safety guidelines. Are we looking deep enough? Are we checking enough before we're imposing all of this technology on the population? So Darius is my guest on the show. Um, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy to talk to. He's extremely well experienced. I think he's extremely balanced, uh, you know, very common sense rich. Um, he's been very vocal in his concerns around safety standards and about basically that they're outdated. We're using standards that are, are generations prior, not up to current, and we're saying everything's okay because it was okay 10, 20 years ago. Um, so he's an advocate for more testing, for more research, for more caution, if, if but anything. That's really all he stands for. He has been taken under the wing of a lot of activists saying that we should stop 5G and we should stop 4G and we should do this. He says in this episode that that basically can't happen and that's not him um, and that all we do need to do is exercise more caution, be more aware, and we, we summarize some of those things. The other thing I am going to do is I'm going to list a couple of very interesting and important documentaries around the topic. One of those documentaries is called Something is in the Air. It is a, uh, a radiation, a phone radiation documentary that does also feature uh, Professor Darius Lazensky, uh, among some others, and goes into a couple of interesting experiments that they have done. Um, one being the beehive test, which is quite interesting if you haven't seen it and seen what actually happens when you place a mobile phone inside a beehive uh, and turn it on. The other one is going to be a fantastic documentary that was produced a few years ago now uh, and caused quite a lot of controversy. It was created by Dr. Marianne DeMassey. Marianne is an investigative journalist and a former medical scientist. Uh, in my opinion, she is one of the best um, investigative journalists in Australia. Uh, she does some fantastic work. She's extremely intelligent, extremely balanced, and presents her findings and data very articulately uh, with an abundance of common sense. At one point in time, she was working for the ABC uh, and was 
was the host of the Catalyst series. And this documentary that she was involved in called Why Fried, also featuring Darius Lazensky, uh, created quite a stir and was deemed to be too one-sided, I guess you could say. It was part of a, a series of episodes that did cause a lot of grief uh, at the time. But this was a fascinating uh, documentary because it spoke to brain surgeons, it spoke to researchers, it spoke to a lot of people, and they each described their concerns and their findings. I am going to list both of these on the website page for this episode. So if you want to go deeper, then these are going to be the two uh, episodes, the two links that you should check out and watch because they are extremely interesting, uh, especially around Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, and of course, 4 and 5G. Now, this episode that we've got here uh, on the show is not just for scratching the surface. It's a long episode. There's a lot of information. This is for someone that wants to go deep and and hears, uh, I suppose, the scientists' concerns and findings in detail. Personally, what I like to do is I listen to most of my podcasts at 1.25 speed. Uh, I find that that helps you get through the content reasonably quick. Um, And, you know, if you want, you can go back and listen to it again. It's entirely up to yourself. It is a long episode, but there's a lot of important information in there to take in. I do encourage you to head to the website, check out the two links I am going to post because it will help you form an overall encompassing opinion of the topic. Um, I'm going to be pushing a bit harder and speaking to a few other people to see if I can get some more uh, information, particularly around the Bluetooth side of things uh, with everyone using the little earbuds that go into your ears. You know, how much radiation is that throwing out and are we seeing any sort of ear issues that are popping up? Um, so this won't be the end of that topic. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Stick with it. It's a great episode. I'll see you on the other side. All right, Darius. Well, I'm in your hands. So you take me through some of the, some of your research and your findings and your concerns around the, I suppose, particularly that's the 5G um, technology that is at the forefront of, of what you're concerned about, isn't it? Yes. Well, I've been doing research for, for many years. Um, it started in in, in 90s concerning um, effects of of radio frequency on on bio, biology and, and and physiology of animals cells and humans and uh, our own research was mainly or started with examining in vitro effects of radio frequency mobile phone radiation in, in, in particular on human endothelial cells grown in culture in laboratory. And we found several effects. One thing was that it was, this radiation was activating stress response of the cells, uh, which stress response of cells means that cells are recognizing this factor, this radiation, as something what brings disturbance to normal physiology and they are trying to prevent this disturbance by launching stress response. And it is very, very <clears throat> common response among cells in, in humans, animals, or, or just single cells, organisms, how they defend themselves <clears throat> against some factors that could affect their physiology, normal physiology. And also, of course, following this, we looked at uh, some changes 
in, in, in those cells, we looked at expression of genes and expression of proteins using high throughput screening techniques, looking at, at thousands of genes and, and thousands of proteins. And we found out that exposure of cells, human cells in vitro, in laboratory, uh, led to uh, changes in expression of uh, numerous genes. And this was followed by changes in expression of numerous proteins. And also we observed changes not only in expression of proteins, but also in activity of proteins as it was measured by, by chemical changes in phosphorylation of proteins, which regulates activity of, of the protein. So what it means, we get those changes in vitro in cells that we grow in laboratory. These are very artificial conditions and uh, there may happen things in cells that normally will not happen when the cell is inside the human body. So that was the beginning. We started with looking at what is happening uh, in endothelial cells, human cell line. So that was cell line which was derived from humans, but it was transformed in this way that it was proliferating all the time, limitlessly. So it was a little bit modified, not, um, not primary human cells, just or isolated from human body, but cells that were continuously growing in laboratory. But then we thought that since we see those changes in, in, in cells, next step is to check this in, in humans, whether similar changes can happen in humans when we uh, expose human uh, to, to mobile phone radiation. And then, we got funding for pilot study uh, where we exposed human volunteers. I think I remember it was 10 people. We exposed their skin to mobile phone radiation, small area on skin to very well known dose of, of uh, cell phone radiation. And we extracted from this skin cells. So we took a biopsy of skin extracted from the cells and proteins and then an analyzed comparing exposed skin to non-exposed skin. And we found changes in numerous protein expression in exposed versus non-exposed skin. So meaning even one hour exposure of human skin to mobile phone radiation at levels that are permitted by safety limits led to some changes in expression of proteins numerous proteins. Our attempts to identify what proteins they were uh, due to, to limited uh, amount of samples uh, were unsuccessful. So we don't know what proteins they were exactly that responded to this radiation. But fact was that uh, numerous proteins behaved differently when they were isolated from cells that were exposed to cell phone radiation. And it means that this kind of short-term exposure of human cells inside human body, mobile phone radiation, can induce biological changes that different proteins are behaving differently. However, this is 
not to say that those biological changes are health effects. This we don't know because there is very big change difference between biological changes and health effects. Biological changes may happen. They can different proteins expression can come, come up, go down. Same things with genes may come up or down. But as long as those changes are, are happening inside our cells, but they don't lead to changes in the normal physiology of tissues or organs, we cannot talk about health effects. And even if some changes happen to normal physiological changes, the functions of our cells of, or organs, it doesn't yet mean that it will lead to health effects. Those changes need to be persistent. They need to be sort of, of, of large magnitude that really they can shake uh, inadvertently this, this normal physiology. And then over time, it may require quite a long time before they can lead to, to any health changes. Therefore, when people are talking very often, well, we exposed cells or animals to some uh, mobile phone radiation, some doses, <clears throat> and we observed some uh, uh, changes in expression of some genes or proteins or, or activation of stress response or activation of oxidative stress, it doesn't yet mean that it will lead to any health effects. To find that it is leading to health effects, you, it requires time. You need to follow it for a long time that really this will end up in, with, with health effects. I could say it, uh, by comparison, I could mention this kind of thing that uh, when phone call, when you have a cell phone, and at least earlier it was, when call was coming to your cell phone and you were watching, for example, TV, then very often you heard this kind of buzz in your yep. TV and then it was coming phone call. Yep. So I could say that this buzz was this biological response of your TV because there was coming radiation. This TV screen or TV recognized it as something what is disturbing. There came this buzz, but what happened? You go to your phone call, TV was working just fine, no problem. So meaning that this biological effect, this buzz in your TV screen didn't automatically translate into some health effect to break your TV screen. No, it was working. So, and this kind of biological effect, effect could be coming, coming and coming and coming during watching TV. You could receive numerous calls. Nothing would happen to your uh, TV uh, as such, except for this that you would hear every time this bus would be disturbing. So this is what, this, this what we, one could understand as difference between biological effect and health effect. That those were sort of effects that electronics of your TV recognized this radiation, but it came, it passed, nothing happened to your TV screen and your TV was working further without any problems. And people are often <clears throat> uh, messing up with this 
that they say, okay, so there are those biological effects, so they will be followed by health effects, not necessarily. There is also another thing that it is known that extended stress response, which is induced in cells, or oxidative stress, or changes in expression of different known proteins may lead to certain health effects in other situations. And this doesn't automatically mean that similar stress response or oxidative stress or change in this or that protein, which will be eventually sometime induced by exposure to mobile phone radiation, will end up in the same kind of health effect as other factors that can induce the same, the same biological change. So people often say, okay, if stress response, oxidative stress, can potentiate possibility of getting cancer, of developing cancer, then it means that if cell phone radiation induces oxidative stress, yeah. then it potentiates, it might, but not necessarily, it doesn't have to. We need to show it. And what is our problem and major problem that we wanted to address, but our funding was cut. Namely, first we do experiments on cells in vitro, in laboratory, as we have done. And then when we have a knowledge that, okay, exposures can change different aspects of physiology of cells, then we take this and go to humans and as far as it is ethically permitted with all permits and so on, we make experiments in humans and try to see whether this what we observed in vitro in laboratory, whether this is happening in human being. Because in vitro, the cell is lonely cell sitting there in laboratory dish and it is in artificial culture medium, it is, many things may happen to it. Yeah. But it may, re, and it may respond to this radiation. But cell, which is inside our body, it is in normal environment, and it is stimulated continuously by enormous number of different stimuli coming from other cells, coming from blood circulation, coming from lymphatic circulations, you name it, they get the stimuli throughout the day and night. And if this cell inside the human body can respond and recognize so weak stimulus as this radiation that meets safety limits, that it means that there is possibility for effects, both biological and health. But this is the possibility. This possibility is necessary to prove. And this is not proven because although we have evidence in vitro, there are such responses like, like oxidative stress, stress, regular stress response, that DNA damage, and so on and so forth. We don't have this evidence shown in living humans. If we can show DNA damage in cells in vitro that in rings a bell. Then we go to animals or 
simultaneously it was shown in mice that it can be caused in mice or rats, yep. DNA damage by this exposure. Why still, until now, until this day, we don't have such evidence for humans. It is not ethically forbidden to expose human to mobile phone radiation. We do it every day continuously, numerous mm. times a day. We expose ourselves, expose, take a sample. There is There are many kinds of samples that is possible to take from humans very ethically and analyze them and look for DNA damage, whether it is happening to humans. But no, we have this speculation all the time that in vitro in cells, we have shown DNA damage. Wow. In animals, in rats or mice, we have shown DNA damage. Wow. And then there is this leap of faith. So it might be also happening in humans. Why so far it has not been shown, and so on and so forth. Many of those effects that we observe in vitro, in 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 petri dish, or in animal studies, they should be repeated in any possible, ethically possible way in humans, and then we can speculate what kind of impact it may have on on health effects. So, yeah. because often it, it goes a little bit backwards that yeah. <clears throat> often we have disease, then we start to dissect what this disease in human uh, uh, is inducing, causing, where from it is, how it is happening, and then we start from human go to cells, and in cells we make experiments to try to find out what is what is happening in this disease. Whereas here we don't do it differently with. We first do this with cells and then try to say that, well, maybe the same thing is happening in humans without showing that it is happening in humans. So this is our problem right now, that we have lots of evidence indicating that there are biological effects, that they are happening at levels that are permitted by the current safety guidelines, safety limits. But we don't show it in humans, that they are really happening in humans. So then it's a question, is there some artifact that we see those changes just in in vitro cultured cells, very artificial, or in some animal models that then we have problems to translate it because mouse is not human, because rat is not human. So we have all, all the time those doubts that whether it is possible to translate into human health or not. But at the same time, we don't do those experiments to prove that this same effect is happening in humans or prove that there is not happening in humans. That's interesting because you would assume, a lot of people would assume (laughs) that the people writing the standards and doing the testing, that it would be done at that high level. You, you, you sort of take for granted, you think that there is someone already doing this at a top tier level? Well, I must say that if people who are using cell phones and if many, many scientists who are not doing this research, but 
reading about this research in in in, in the mainstream media yeah. and then wondering what what nonsense people are talking about if they would know how poor quality and limited science we have to in, to to be the basis for our saying that safety limits protect people they would be amazed and shocked wow. because whenever you read some uh, uh, review reviewing evidence on uh, some effects of mobile phone radiation on some properties of cells or or, or mice or whatever biological experiments whenever it is being reviewed there is always the conclusion but we have a limited knowledge because we have lots of gaps of gaps in knowledge so we have studied this and this and this but there is still plenty of topics what we didn't study and would be useful and there is always one one thing that those reviews often end up but even this evidence what we have published is of poor quality so meaning this we have this situation when we have thousands and thousands of studies yes we have thousands and thousands of studies but most of them is of poor quality because either there is radiation exposure not very good quality or there is this experimental part this biological or biomedical experimental part not of sufficiently good quality or there is statistical analysis not of very good quality so we have all these problems that make that this scientific evidence is of relatively poor quality but on this bulk of poor quality science some people give assurance that everything is fine that there is no problem because poor quality science assures us that we are fine and it's so voluminous there's plenty problem. of it there there is plenty of people who are assuring that we are safe there is no any health problem because we have scientific evidence but we don't have enough believe me for many years since i've been for for a long time involved in this in these issues for many years there was um talk about this whether children are differently affected than adults by mobile phones yeah. and that was in 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 late 90s early early 2000 there was talk very often mentioned just as sort of in passing uh, there, there is no evidence that uh, adults are affected their health is affected and there is also no evidence that children would be differently affected than adults just there were no studies on children oh. so meaning it was said we don't have evidence that children would be differently affected but there was not mentioned in next sentence but we don't have studies on children until yeah. finally now we have some studies for better or for worse some people say that they are not of very good quality so so this is the problem that often we say that something but we don't have evidence 
indicating that this or that will be harmful. But there should be next question, what is the evidence that we have? Do we have enough of this evidence? And then we count, earlier it was about children, now it is also about 5G. Yeah. If we look at those reviews about 5G and especially this, what will be new coming or what, what is new coming with, with 5G, these millimeter waves, then we are also being assured that everything is fine, that there will be no any problem, 5G is, is fine and, and will not harm humans. But when reading several reviews concerning this, uh, what we know about 5G millimeter waves effects on cells, animals, and humans, we know very, very little. And this is not only this, what I have uh, written review about effects on human skin, but also other reviews from other scientists were indicating exactly the same, namely, we don't have evidence to back up this uh, information that uh, we know what this millimeter waves will do or won't do. And even this evidence, what we already have, is of limited quality, if not poor quality. So we have again the same, the same thing, the same story repeats that we are saying that everything is fine, or some people are saying everything is fine, there will be no problem when introducing uh, updated and, and, and with, with new wavelength uh, technology. But at the same time, we don't really have this, this science to back it up. It is sort of assumption and, and sort of wishful thinking that there will not be any, any uh, serious problems. Is there been any, I suppose, indication that, that someone's looking at things like brain cancers and seeing the rate keep continually climbing? You know, obviously no one's going to join the dots, but if you take brain cancers and say, well, since uh, 97 to current, we've seen this incredible increase as mobile phone use increases and mobile phone power increases. Is there is there any overlay that's occurring? Uh, no, and that's that's the that's the sort of problem, uh, uh, and I would say problem, namely when mobile phones were introduced and and uh, very rapidly they they took off in, in in population that nowadays nearly never everybody has yeah. mobile phone. Then it was said that all right, if it is causing brain cancer, then everybody will get it, will be pandemic of, of brain cancer all over the world, or epidemic. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, everybody will get it, and this skyrocketing number of cell phones will align with skyrocketing number of, of brain cancers. But this is not happening. It didn't happen. Uh, then, of course, there was talk about this, that mm, Brain cancer is disease that requires many years to develop. So there is a long period of latency. So there was talk about 10, 20, 30 years of latency uh, for, for brain cancer to develop, even if it is in some way triggered by cell phone radiation. 
but still it is not so much materialized. Then is is problem of of whether mobile phone radiation is this factor that is triggering or and causing uh, development of brain cancer, or whether it is only assisting some other factors that are causing brain cancer to propagate into cancerous tissue faster. But there is also this, this sort of issue, what I'm talking about is this individual sensitivity. Namely, for every factor that we are as humans exposed to, there is always some subpopulation of people who are more sensitive than others. And it is for everything, including radiation, including radiation like ionizing radiation or ultraviolet radiation. These are also okay. radiations, parts of, of electromagnetic spectrum. So for those radiations, we have more and less sensitive people. So why we would think that electromagnetic spectrum of this radio frequency, this what we are using for wireless communication, will be different, will be an exception among these other forms of radiation, or would be exception among all other uh, factors that are affecting our physiology, our bodies coming from our environment, why it would be. So uh, it is logical to say and to think that also this mobile phone radiation, this radio frequency electromagnetic fields, they also have some subpopulation of people who are more sensitive to this radiation. And I don't mean only those who are complaining about electromagnetic hypersensitivity. But I mean in general that this radiation may affect different people differently in such a way that some people may get some symptoms like those who are getting uh, or are claiming to be uh, EHS people, electromagnetic hypersensitive people, when they are getting some headaches, some skin uh, problems, some, some uh, heart problems, and so on and so forth. This kind of uh, large variety of uh, very non-specific symptoms that are caused by, but can be caused by very many uh, uh, influences. Yeah. But also I mean this, that some people might be more sensitive in such a way that some of them may develop over time, brain cancer, some not. And now it's, uh, everything depends on this, uh, what is, property of the person who is sensitive to this radiation in a way that will lead to develop brain cancer. So meaning what is this change that is induced in this person and what is the, in this person, the normal physiology prone to this factor in such a way that it will lead to development of brain cancer. So meaning this way that are not sensitive to this radiation. Most of us will not be sensitive in a way to develop brain cancer or any health 
other health problem, but some of us might. And now it might be this, that not every user will get brain cancer from using cell phone, but only some of us who have some specific properties, what we don't know yet anything about, yeah. that are more sensitive. And then we have this answer why we don't see this kind of epidemic of brain cancer, even though brain cancer goes very, it is usage of, of, of mobile phones increased in society very exponentially, dramatically. But we have to say that there are few epidemiological studies indicating that if a person is using for long periods of time mobile phone, that over time it may lead to increased risk of developing brain cancer. And this, this avid use of cell phone, it is more or less specified this way that it is if person is using mobile phone for half an hour per day or longer, every day for 10 years, or longer, then its risk of developing brain cancer increases by 100 to 170%. So there are those few studies indicating this kind of change. There are also studies like this, what you mentioned, that we have not really increase in brain cancer in general in society, even though there is steep increase in usage of cell phones, this increase in brain cancer overall in society is, is more or less plateau. Oh, okay. Of course, there are subpopulations of those, those people, uh, meaning subpopulation if we take different age brackets, so meaning who and when started to use phone and how much this person is using a cell phone, there might be some differences. So meaning that, for example, people that are somewhere around 40 years of age who are using much more those phones and who earlier started to use it, use them than those people who are in their 70s or 80s, then the, those people might have a little more of this brain cancer risk in this population uh, developing. But But overall, it is not really as when we unify whole society and everybody doesn't matter age put on 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 online then it's not really increasing but once we start dissecting what is not very uh, um, much done so far then there might be some variations depending on age or how much people were using or maybe there can be also difference in um, health status besides uh, brain cancer, but also other uh, problems, health-related problems in those people and how this cell phone radiation might, might be affecting them. But we can, of course, say this kind of thing that when we have these few epidemiological studies indicating that avid, avid users may have increased risk of developing brain cancer, how those studies were done. Those studies were done in normal population of people who are using 
regular cell phones, meaning they didn't get any experimental cell phones, but they had their cell phones, they went to shop and purchased their phone. What it means, they purchased phones that are in compliance with current safety limits, meaning according to ICNIR and safety guidelines and according to WHO and according to FCC and according to American ICS, those phones meet all safety guidelines, safety limits, they should be harmless. But those studies showing that avid usage of cell phone for 10 years or longer may lead to increased risk of developing brain cancer, would indicate that those safety guidelines, safety limits are insufficient to mm. protect people because if they use avidly the cell phone for a long period of time, even though this cell phone as such is compliant with current safety limits and safety guidelines, they have a problem of increased risk of developing brain cancer. It, it is clear human evidence showing that current safety limits and safety guidelines might be or are insufficient to protect everyone. Of course, we don't exactly know who and why is getting, got this brain cancer. And this is not enough, maybe well dissected. Who are those people and why some of us are getting brain cancer that uh, um, might be associated with with usage of cell phones and, and some not. This is, uh, um, this should be studied a little, little more. But this is the human evidence showing that we uh, can claim that safety guidelines should be updated mm. and, and uh, modified, modified down, because these current safety guidelines are insufficient to protect people. Well, that's a, that's a known, uh, I think that's a common complaint, isn't it, that the the standards were set some time ago and, you know, mobile phone usage has increased rapidly. I mean, if you look at the holding the phone, storing the phone, um, talking on the phone, doing everything on it, your exposure now compared to what it was pre-smartphone would be astronomically different. So you, you would hope that the industry standards have looked at that and adapted rather than saying, oh, we looked we looked 20 years ago and it was okay then we'll keep pushing that that same song um, i would uh, be a little bit cautious to say that our exposure as individuals uh, has increased astronomically because um, one should remember that uh, every new technology 2g 3g 4g 5g uh, is emitting less radiation in order to function. And point is that um, the industry makes phones more and more efficient in order to make battery life more efficient and in order to make this that base stations need less energy to emit, less power to emit in order to 
facilitate communication between phone and base station. So meaning that those technologies are being made more and more energy and radiation efficient wow, in okay. order to make them better. Therefore, not necessarily we are exposed to uh, um, much, much higher doses of, of uh, this radiation with these newer technologies. But it doesn't mean that everything is fine because uh, right now this, this uh, pretty common opinion is when you read newspapers or, or, or listen to some scientists that everything is fine, this gadget, new gadget on, on, on um, market or new phone or new device is everything fine because it meets safety guidelines. It emits well below safety limits. So this is considered as free ride. Mm. You can put on market any device. You can install at your home any device when it is sold in such a way that it confirms when it is sold, it confirms with current safety guidelines. But point is, are those safety guidelines sufficient? Are they good enough to protect humans from potential health effects? And the uh, fact that there is no epidemic of, of uh, health problems caused by this, this uh, radiation uh, is not proof that it, that it is safe and healthy, but it's rather this lack of knowledge uh, how different individuals may respond to this radiation compared to others. So we are all the time analyzing everything in bulk. We take all people together, we average them and say, well, on average, there is nothing happening. Yeah. But we don't look at those different small, smaller segments. Is there something happening here or here? And, and this is this, this, uh, this problem. And this is problem also with, with epidemiological studies, which uh, on one hand, they provide evidence of, of increased risk of developing cancer. But at the same time, they are of poor quality. This is also evidence of poor quality because they are not having exposure information. Namely, they don't have this information to how much of radiation person was exposed. They have information you, by using surrogates of radiation exposure. And those surrogates can be different whether person has been using cell phone or whether person has been using cell phone for how long period of time, what person remembers how uh, much person has been using cell phone or for how long time person had uh, agreement with cell phone provider to use cell phone. So 
those are all surrogates and they are leading to this that people with very different exposures can be analyzed in the same exposed group. So we say that those people are highly exposed because they used cell phone for 10 years. So this, we say that this is highly exposed group. They used for 10 years and they had for 10 years agreement with cell phone providers. So this is highly exposed. And some other group is less because they were using for shorter periods of time. But also within this group, are people who are using more or less cell phone. But what it also doesn't take into consideration that we are different, living in different places with a different reach of networks. So meaning some people are living in close proximity to base station yeah. and they have good reception. Some people live very far from base station. They have reception, but much weaker. And when they have weaker reception, their phone emits more radiation. Whereas when they are close to base station, phone needs much less radiation to be emitted to get in touch with base station. Yeah. So it means that person who is using continuous cell phone in good reception area will be much less exposed to radiation from cell phone than person who lives far away from cell tower because he's cell phone will be emitting much more radiation. But those two persons, when they use cell phone for the same period of time, are being analyzed in the same exposed group, even though in practice, they mm. were exposed very to different. very different dose of radiation. But then they are being in the same exposed group and everything is being averaged. And therefore it makes, we don't know how much, underestimation of possible risk of developing cancer. So even those studies, those few studies, maybe four, showing, uh, indicating that there is increased risk of developing brain cancer by 100 or, or, or 170%, one study says 40%, so let's say 40, 100, 170% increased in develop, uh, risk of developing brain cancer. Those numbers are all underestimates because we don't know exactly how much radiation different people were exposed to. Therefore, we are sort of averaging this radiation exposure, which leads to underestimation of, of the brain cancer risk. So this brain cancer risk, what is reported 40 or 100 or 170% increase might be uh, uh, underestimate, but we don't know how, what it would be in reality, because we don't have exposure, radiation exposure information. And is there anything from, I mean, from an end user point of view, you've got, it's very hard to limit your exposure. You, you know, you're surrounded by Wi-Fi, yeah. you're surrounded by, you know, people use Bluetooth, they've got a phone in their pocket, they're always on their phones, um, everything's wireless. So your exposure is, it's very hard to limit. So is there any health measures that you can take that protect at a cellular level the damage that can be done that you're aware of? Uh, well, of course, it is, um, it is possible uh, in such a way that um, 
especially when when um, base stations were those big base stations every now and then seen on the horizon. So this radiation which was coming from those base stations is very, very low. And even in uh, experimental conditions in laboratory, it is difficult to show biological effects induced by solar radiation. Therefore, the vast majority of radiation, what we are exposed to is coming from our own cell phone. So meaning the more we talk on cell phone, the more our brain is exposed to cell phone, unless we use speakerphone or we use earpiece. But then there is another issue that when we keep our cell phone in pocket, when we are talking on it, then our brain will be not exposed to this radiation, but places tissues where the, our pocket is located. This what is also not spoken about that before when we had this not smartphones, they were emitting radiation then when we were talking on them, then they were emitting bulk of radiation. Whereas when we were not talking, we were keeping them on, on our belt or in, in, in pocket, they were emitting very seldom, very little radiation every now and then some quick buzz to communicate with base station and inform, I'm here. Right. So in case somebody was calling, that network knew where this particular phone was located and could connect phone calls. So meaning this exposure to, to tissues surrounding our pocket where we stored cell phone was minuscule, if any. Whereas now when we are changing to, or we have changed to smartphones, situation has changed because they are emitting radiation not only then when we are talking, but also when we are connected to internet. So meaning that when we put this phone in some pocket, either front pocket of our trousers or our breast pocket, then those tissues that are next to this phone are being much more exposed to this radiation than when we had those old fashioned phones, which were not connected to internet. But once they are smart, connected to internet, they emit much more radiation. About this, it's not very much spoken that when you have smartphone, and you like to avoid being much exposed to radiation, then of course, one thing, limit usage of this cell phone. Not always it is possible. Another advice is limit talking in such a way that you keep your phone to your head, but yeah. rather use either earpiece or speakerphone. Very many people do so. I, I'm frequently surprised to see on street how many people really do it in this way. So this is another way to limit exposure. <clears throat> but there is not much talk about this. Don't keep yourself in your pocket when you are connected to internet. Because some people say, no, yes, I need all this information. But no, when you are walking through the park and you are walking and, 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 and going through cities and so on, your phone is sitting in, in pocket for hour or a couple of hours before mm -hmm. you, you need to look something. Why this phone is then connected to internet 
with the data connection. So meaning disconnect your data yeah. for that time. And then when you stop in park and you suddenly have urge to check your emails, click on data connection, bam, your emails <coughs> are updated, everything is there. So meaning instead of this, that this phone was sitting, sitting in your po pocket for this one hour and co collecting yeah. all this information, this, those updates and giving you this radiation exposure wherever your pocket was, this phone was eagling there in, in, in your pocket. And when you sat down, you keep it in your hand, it is away from your body, you connect, it connects you and, and updates all this information and this all radiation goes somewhere else. Yeah. So this is this good advice for people that don't keep data on then when you don't need it. Yeah, so meaning when idea. there are extended periods of time when you cannot use or, or when you will not look on your phone and then disconnect data and then when you need it, connect data and everything is coming instant. So these are those those ways to to limit exposure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. Well, thank you very much for your time and all your information. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to add? Is calls for for banning this technology feel a little bit utopian. It's not going to happen. Mm. It will not happen. This, as some people say, this train has left station a long time ago. So there is no return. There is only this that we should think how to limit unnecessary exposures. And everybody should think about it. Do I need to expose myself so much? And use those few possible options. And uh, remember that the source of vast majority of our exposure is our cell phone. It's not this base station. Way to limit this is to use speakerphone and to disconnect from internet when it is not yeah. necessary. It links it in. Yeah. Or a, uh, a plugged in um, earpiece rather than having a, a Bluetooth one with more radiation plug oh, in no this is this is also something what i, I i'm not certain about meaning this earpiece uh, it is also uh, very minuscule radiation um this is good question whether it can really cause some problem or not people say oh maybe it is affecting hearing well or or, or hearing nerve because this was also indicated in some studies that Eventually, this nerve, hearing nerve, is, is might be affected by by cell phone radiation. Oh, but let's right. remember, this hearing nerve might be very much affected by how loudly we listen to music. Same thing is about well, if you are studying children who are using very much Wi-Fi then their learning ability is getting less, lower and lower. Question is, is it radiation or is it hanging on internet on this Wi-Fi and this causing that their learning ability is 
lesser and lesser. So is it caused by radiation or is it psychological effect of hanging on internet and looking at those different videos, messages and so on instead of doing real research. And recently also in, in Finland, there is research showing that digital media is not good for learning that students yeah. much better absorb knowledge when they have a book in front of them and go through the book yeah. instead of looking at the screen in school. A part of this that of course then very often teachers are complaining that they don't have control what those students are really doing on their screens when yeah. the teacher is talking and they should be doing something, what else they are doing there. So this is another thing. But there is already accumulating knowledge that when you are reading information on screen only, that your memorizing of this information and absorbing learning it is worse than when you get take a yeah. piece of paper and read it and focus on this and, and, and learn this way much, much better. Question is, is it radiation or is it, are there other factors that are affecting their ability to study that are radiation independent? Or is there both? I don't know, but sort of blaming automatically radiation because this is Wi-Fi or this is cell phone where, where what you are using for your studies because you are in school and in classroom is Wi-Fi and this is blamed for poor learning. It is not so auto automatic. And it is, uh, at this time, it is rather this way that as I'm saying, when we don't know for sure, let's avoid Wi-Fi at school, not because I know that it is harmful, but because there is possible to have a plug-in yeah. computers and, and get the same knowledge even faster exactly. connections to internet yeah. than from uh, uh, Wi-Fi that sometimes doesn't work, doesn't know. So, exactly. But it is this, what I say, precautionary measure. Don't use Wi-Fi wi in school unnecessarily when you can connect your computers to internet via, via wire and this way have better internet and less exposure to radiation in situation when you don't know for sure and you like to be precautionary. Yeah, no, that's common sense. They're perfect information. Yeah, I agree. Do, do you think... What time frame, frame do you put on us being in a far more advanced position to know with certainty these effects of, of Wi-Fi or 5G or radiation in general? Is it another 10 years that you would hope would be a game changer in that space? Or is this just going to keep pushing along, pushing along? Uh, most likely it will be keeping pushing along because the technology develops very fast. Whereas our uh, uh, biomedical research is very slow. Right. Uh, it's very slow, not only because of lack of funding, I tell about this uh, in a moment, but also because it takes time to make experiment. If you like to make experiment, you might 
animal study that lasts many, many months. And when you analyze this data and so on and so forth, and before you publish it, it can take a couple of years when you design experiment and finally it is being published. Or for example, in epidemiological studies, you wait for 10 or 20 years when you are gathering information and finally you get it collected, yeah. analyzed and published. So it can take very long time. Another thing is of course that this exposure scenario is changing very much all the time. So first we had the regular phones which were emitting quite quite a lot of uh, radiation, but uh, we kept them only to our head when we were talking and we exposed only our head. Then came smartphones when we exposed other parts of our body. Time will show whether it has any significance or not. Then there will be coming more uh, uh, newer technologies when we were, when we are having now 5G millimeter waves which are being absorbed only by the skin, but it doesn't mean that they are harmless because they are absorbed by the skin, because even there is evidence that we can affect our skin only and get effects into our physiology of brain. So it means that this is everything connected. This that we change something in our skin, it doesn't mean that it stays in skin. It goes all over body. Mediators can go to other organs, including brain, and can affect there. So we can affect our brain by affecting skin only. Wow. And then, of course, there are uh, other frequencies which have still much more power to trans transport information then millimeter waves, terahertz, and so on. So, so this technology is changing all the time. We are getting more and more different gadgets that will be on us or implanted in us. This is the future of, of everything if you ask Elon Musk and so on. So then you have your somewhere chip implanted in you, connected to your brain and you are genius and, and so on. And uh, so meaning there is, there is also a problem with this, not only with radiation, but with mainly problem with beha behavioral psychology, how we as people are reacting and can cope with all this huge amount of information and changes in behavior caused by using this new technologies, which are everywhere and which are forcing us to change ways of our lives, very modifying them extremely much from this, what we were born to. Yeah, yeah, radically do. different. So meaning how we were born to be uh, functioning in environment or in society. This is being extremely uh, much modified. And I would think that even more than radiation, the psychological impact of, of, of um, anti-social media is much worse. Addiction to mobile devices, yeah. addiction to internet, addiction to all different applications. Fact that they are 
being developed in order to make you addict to them. To those algorithms are, are developed in order to sort of make you like and to, to please you like endorphins. Yeah, they keep stimulating and keep stimulating. Keep stimulating you. You get likes, you get this, you get that. Yep. You, you want more. So all this is being developed in such a way to not only this, that it emits radiation, which absorbs here and there, and we should study it, and we should be still careful, but makes also sort of very heavy burden on our psychology yeah. this is that people have a burnout and and with whatever whatever effects and they also this when you say ask for for any timeline when we will finally know 20 something years ago when european union was funding first projects on on cell phone radiation and health and why i was part of one of them this project of reflex that was 1999 and then was thought that then was starting also parallelly another epidemiological project called interphones and was thought that in four or five years when reflex is ready when interphone is ready we will know everything or we will be so much more knowledgeable that we will know whether it is any harm or not well believe me it is 20 something years later we don't know. We don't know. And problem is not only this, that, that uh, this research, what has been done so far, is of not sufficiently good quality. Also this, that we are making <clears throat> lots of research that is also listed somewhere in some database, this and this and this and so many studies have been done. But we have also problem of this, that it is useless for our purpose of defining whether it is these exposures are harmful to human health or not. Because people, in, instead of doing experiments on human cells, either human cell lines or primary human cells, they take variety of, of whatever the animal cell lines and study them and so and what without any very much purpose because not because in our lab is being used this and this cell line so let's look because very much research has been done this way that oh we have very good model which worked for this or that research in our lab so what if we use this model for study mobile phone radiation we, without thinking that maybe first we need to think what kind of model would be useful for studying mobile phone radiation effects so we could say something about humans later. But first of all, we should do studies in humans, but studies in humans are not being done. We are studying weird animals, weird cells. So when funding agencies look at this, they say, why we should spend money on this kind of research when we have more pressing issues with breast cancer or heart disease with my melanoma 
and so on and so forth. So why we should spend money on this, which is most likely and according to those very important guidelines, harmless, spend money on more of this research. If you don't look, you'll never find. And we, if you don't look, then you don't, don't find. And then, of course, uh, then you say, all right, uh, we don't have evidence showing that something is harmful. Uh, well, you don't say then that because we didn't study it, but we just end on this. We don't have we evidence. We don't have it. <laughs> yeah, we don't have yeah. evidence. And, and in case somebody, but what, how comes? No, we have thousands and thousands of studies if we don't have it. Yeah, yeah, but still, we don't have evidence because we didn't study, not because we have thousands of studies. There's, there, there's always a person in the room that's, that's often standing at the back and there's the one that says, exercise caution. Yeah, I'm not saying it's left or it's right, but exercise caution. And he's always, he or she is most often the one that doesn't get listened to. And it's so frustrating because it, it makes perfect sense um, to someone that's balanced and not directly involved. It's, it's, that's the person you want to go to to find out the, the truth of the matter. Yes, because uh, as I began to ask recently, how it is morally and ethically okay for scientists knowing that they have large gaps in knowledge, knowing that scientific evidence so far gathered is mostly of very poor scientific quality, yeah. use this kind of evidence to claim that everything is fine and safety guidelines protect everybody, no matter st status of health, status of age, size, color, whatever. Yeah. No matter anything, they are being protected. So people who are not educated in this area and who are not following this field and reading all these studies that are being published and they don't know how many of shabby studies are published, they would wonder because it somehow it got this kind of, we got such an atmosphere that anything what is published in so-called peer-reviewed journal that it is scientific truth. Mm, yeah. You can't be further from the truth by saying it is it is not so. It is not so. There is plenty of studies that are published in peer-reviewed so-called peer-reviewed journals and that are of very poor quality, shabby, that should be rejected and but still they are being published. I'm yeah. talking about it. I'm arguing about it. I'm being ostracized because, because of it. But it is what it is. Well, we're, we're fortunate that there are people like yourself that do stick the neck out and, and do question and, and push and push for more information. And, and again, it's just exercising caution. You're not screaming from the rooftops that it should be turned off. You're just exercising caution yeah. and saying we need to look deeper. Yeah, we need, we need better research and more research. 
uh, and and with with emphasis on better research and by better research i mean targeted research what we need to know using models that can provide information for the purpose that we need it not just science for science science for science is beautiful wonderful i've done it for years but also we need science for certain purpose and this should be exercised more is there any country or government that you've worked with or or you know been somewhat involved with that is better at dealing with this that is more cautious or more analytical or more willing to look at information um that from a broad spectrum or are they all much the same as it doesn't really matter if it's america or you know russia or or anywhere uh let me say that they are all the same right i i i have right now in press a, a review a article where i have reviewed health policies related to electromagnetic hypersensitivity and health policies that are being uh, uh, exercised by such organizations as, as WHO here or, or FCC, and health policies exercised by different gover- governments of, of different uh, countries, including European Union or, or Nordic countries or, or number of, of different co- countries around the world. This issue of existence of electromagnetic hypersensitivity is being acknowledged pretty commonly that this kind of symptoms are that there are people who claim themselves that they are sensitive and they have certain pattern of of, um, symptoms that uh, they complain about it, about them, and that those symptoms can finally trigger such a uh, health or became such a health concern that their life is being affected. Uh, not only health, because they feel those, those symptoms differently, but also this how they can live in society, how they can live in family, how they can go to work and so on and so forth. So there, those people are being recognized as yeah, this, those symptoms are fine. They are suffering, and sometimes it can be debilitating this this feeling of those symptoms. But at the same time, those symptoms are commonly considered that they are unrelated to to electromagnetic uh, radiation. Maybe yes, maybe not. There is no good information about it. No good studies. But at the same time. Even though we don't know what is cause of this of this uh, symptoms, still those people are suffering, and those organizations or governments are acknowledging that they are suffering. But when you ask, what are health policies to sort of help them to be included, to be uh, uh, not outsiders of the society, to somehow try to improve their health by doing something about it. Nothing happens.
There are no health policies around the world. So it doesn't matter whether you look at WHO or FCC or ICS or governments of different countries or, or be it US, be it Australia, be it Soviet Union, be it European Union, whatever. Put nothing, nothing's there. There are, there are no health policies, policies that could be protective or taking into consideration protection of, of those people in some way in society that is going all the time more and more into forcing people to use wireless media. It is something like before earlier was everybody was being forced into use plastic money. You have to have credit card in order to book hotel, rent a mm. car and so on. Nowadays it is already common, everybody has it. Yep. But this is also something like everybody has to have this smartphone connection to it because sometimes you can't buy even tickets yeah. to some exhibition or something without your cell phone and, and connecting with cell phone, with smartphone. So meaning in order to function in nowadays society, yeah. one has to have this connection via smartphone. And it is more and more demanded if yeah. you need for banking, if you need for communication, if you need for, for uh, Everyday things. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. For yeah. every, even in shop, instead of this this uh, uh, card for for frequent shopper in some shops, you have already card on cell phone, and you just scan it and collect your points. What if you like to collect your points, and sometimes get offers on different yeah. goodies in in sold by shop. So. Everything is going into this direction. And at the same time, we have this population of people which can be between one to 10% of, of human population that will be complaining, whether I, there I complaining rightly or wrongly. For this, we don't have enough evidence because studies, provocation studies that have been done or studies that they were asking about those issues, they are unreliable. They are yeah. absolutely unreliable when we are considering this, what kind of symptoms those people are complaining about. Those are symptoms that can be caused by simply being afraid of something, being scared of something, being concerned about something. Being concerned of, about something can give you headache, not only imaginary, but real headache. Yeah. And headache is one of the symptoms of EHS. So now when person is complaining about headache, is it EHS or yeah. is it headache because was thinking about EHS? Yeah. So we have this problem, but at the same time, we think that we are forcing everybody everywhere to use these smartphones and to be con con continuously and constantly connected to internet in order to function normally in the society, yeah. if you don't have it and you uh, uh, avoid it, then you are isolated yeah. more and more. And this, of course, leads to additional psychological problems of being isolated, being unable to function, being 
concerned and so on and so forth. So, so this is something what we are on one hand loving technology that we are all the time connected and so on and so forth, but not thinking how heavy burden on our psyche this technology is having and how it will be affecting future generations because future generations are not only affected by when they are using it. Parents affect children, how parents interact with children. Yeah. Yeah. What they say, if baby, instead of face of mother and mimics of face of mother, sees all the time in front of mother's face, cell phone, because mother is nibbling there on Facebook, yeah. on other social media, or not all the time, but very frequently. So this baby, instead of seeing this mimic of mommy's face and smile, laugh, whatever loving mimics this face can express, sees there's phone somewhere there, or mother is turning head instead of looking at this kiddo, is looking at, at cell phone. And this is everything. One, one, per, one could say that this is affecting mentally those newborn kids, newborn babies, how they will be later acting yeah. in this. Of course, they will not turn out crazy. They will, of course, in due time function in this society. But what mental stress it makes yeah. on this kind of very developing uh, baby where this brain is very palpable and can do anything to this brain when it is being developed yeah. and it requires this that you have face-to-face -face contact with parents with other people and, and see this excitement yeah. and involvement Definitely. and so on and yeah. there is lack of this because this so i don't know how how badly it can affect this, well, this uh, children when they yeah. are uh, later youngsters or teenagers or or, or young adults and and what residual problems there might be in those people stemming from this that mommy was more looking on cell phone for sure on this baby thank you again so much for your time really appreciate all that information it's it's been fascinating so you know i, I yeah. feel privileged that i was able to tap into that thank you i appreciate it Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a long episode and a lot of information. As I did mention, head to the website bumpingintocomau There is two links, at least there will be at least two links there about some documentaries that you can watch on YouTube um, that go much deeper into Wi-Fi and 5G and some of the risks that scientists and surgeons have about it. So make sure you do head over there to support those other documentaries as well. There'll be more information about this episode there'll be more information about all of the other episodes which you know we make a point of being very broad and vastly different uh, to each other so there's plenty to find over there if you've got the time to have a look um, if you can leave a review a five-star review tends to be the only one that counts and helps us move further up the rankings otherwise if you can just share it that's all that i've really asked for if you know someone that you think is interested just please share it that's really really all this is about is just finding its way to people that are going to get value out of it. Thanks again for stopping by and I will speak to you on the next one.